This is a spoiler warning, you insignificant worms. So take heed, for I am Baalzaman, heart of the dark. The lowly mortal who creates this content has read the series cover to cover, book to book, many, many times. He will be discussing everything he can think of, irrelevant, relevant, regardless. So... Take heed of my warning. If you have not read the series all the way through and spoil something for yourself, well, who is to blame, listener? Not I. Not I. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Gleeman Radio, your daily dose for the Wheel of Time. Uh, today we're here for episode four of the Return to the Wheel of Time podcast, The Eye of the World, Chapter 3, The Peddler. Hooray! Podon Thane is here. Yeah, the, the villagers' excitement is totally warranted, right? It's, it's, it's not like Podon Thane brings chaos and destruction and awfulness wherever he goes, right? Like, there's no reason for me to be worried, right? No, of course not. Uh, I'm, I'm not sure. <laughs> oh God, I hate Bottom Bane so much. I've hated him from this chapter, from the very first time I read the books. It's okay. Uh, what else do I think is gonna happen? Uh, I, I, if I remember right, I think Perrin does show up in this one. Uh, possibly Nynaeve, giving them crap, because uh, I know Nynaeve shows up when Matt and Perrin are together with Rand talking about the dragon, because uh, that's the only thing I remember. Is Pot on Fane shows up being a dick, and he's like, I have news, you down country folk, the dragon, and Logan, and, and freaks everybody out, and he's loving every second of it. Uh, we're going to get into it. Uh, in case you guys didn't know, what I like to do is I like to record the introduction before I've actually gotten back into the chapter. So I like to see what I remember, and that way when I actually read the chapter, if I kind of messed stuff up or forgot about this and that, it's a, it's a, it's a welcome surprise, and you can see how wrong I am. <laughs> uh, last time on the Wheel of Time, uh, Matt... Oh, Matt. Matt was getting in trouble. He needed to cover up his lies, so he played a couple pranks that, let's say he better stay out of sight for a while. Uh, yeah. Uh, you and Fingar came down, one of the younger kids of the, uh, Two Rivers, uh, started talking to Matt and Rand about strangers being in town. Uh, this is when we meet Moraine and Lan, and, uh, the boys are just, let's say... Moraine takes their breath away. Okay, Moraine is amazing. She's beautiful. She's intelligent. She's dressed in this just amazing clothing. A belt of woven gold, really. I'm still going to give her crap about that, though. You're in a small town, and you're wearing a belt of woven gold. I, am, am I thinking it's just, like, gold thread? Or, like, is this legit gold? Oh, come on, Moraine. Uh, but, yeah, so... She gives them the coins to keep track of them. I still want to know how many, uh, how much money she's been giving away in this town. Because we know Perrin already has a coin when we see him later. And I don't think we see him get that, like, on the page. I think it just happens in the background. So that's kind of crazy. 
So, uh, yeah, I think I covered what I expect to happen as well as what happened last time. So, uh, one, ooh, one last thing, um, as of this moment, the first episode of Gleeman Radio of this podcast has been, uh, aired on YouTube, that's where I'm starting it, I, I, I don't have the money right now to put it out, I'm gonna recut these up with multiple chapters in a single video, and I'm gonna put them out on podcast sites eventually, but for now I'm just doing this, but the first episode is out, and it already had a view, and it had only been out for like two and a half hours, so, uh, I don't know if someone just clicked in and clicked out, or they clicked in and listened to the whole thing, but whatever, just seeing that, even one single view made me happy, so thank you, whoever that was, uh, you were the very first to listen to the podcast, uh, I need to stop rambling now, and get into the damn chapter, so let's do that right now. I wonder if we might get to see this false dragon. Perrin shook his shaggy head. I don't want to see him. Somewhere else, maybe, but not in the two rivers. Not if it means war. Not if it means I Sedai here, either, Rand added. Or have you forgotten who caused the breaking? The dragon may have started it, but it was I Sedai who actually broke the world. I heard a story once, Matt said slowly. From a wool buyer's guard. He said the dragon would be reborn in mankind's greatest hour of need and save us all. Well, he was a fool if he believed that, Perrin said firmly. Holy crap, everybody. This chapter is a honest-to-God info dump, and I love it so much. It's talked about and introduced. Paran Fane is introduced. Perrin is introduced, Nynaeve is introduced, Egwene's with Nynaeve, so she's introduced, taking everyone by surprise. Then they're talking about dragons, they're talking about false dragons, they're talking about the one power, Aes Sedai, the breaking, uh, I, it's, it's, it's crazy. White cloaks, they bring up the children of the light, there's so much that's just offhanded talking about, like everybody knows it that I can only imagine, it has been so long, I cannot remember how I first felt or what I first thought when I was going through this. Like, how much of it did you really take in? How much of this was hard to understand? Because in the reread, it's just amazing. Because you realize how much is really talked about. It's crazy. It's just, it's just crazy. So, the chapter begins with Padan Fane coming down into the village, and his wagon's really loud. Um, like, apparently all the pans and uh, pots and everything are help, uh, hung off the side of the wagon, and they're all clanging together and making noise. Uh, is it possible at all to move anywhere quietly as a peddler? I'm, I'm just wondering, because... They can't have a ridiculously huge amount of storage space, so yeah, obviously they have to hang things off the side or uh, maybe uh, catch things underneath. Or I, I don't, I don't know. But you'd imagine Pot on Fane in his other duties, other than being a, a peddler, that he'd have to move quietly sometimes. And I don't know how he would do that with his wagon and stuff. Uh, so yeah, Pot on Fane is introduced when he comes into uh, into the village. The the village council comes out to greet him and the whole village is there and everyone's excited because it's not just the materials a peddler brings in that brings the excitement it's the uh information on the outside world 
that they really crave. Uh, and Thane's got some information, and he's really kind of enjoying himself by holding off on it. He's taken his time. He's very slowly getting ready. Uh, it, he talks about how he's... Uh, Thane's been coming here for as long as Rand can remember. So this guy is no stranger in the Two Rivers. He's waving and kind of being friendly with some of the people he knows, but apparently he's never too close to anybody. Uh, he's always smiling and, la and at the point of laughter, like he knows a joke no one else does. And that kind of description works really well on Matt, but on Fane it's incredibly ominous, especially when you think about the fact that uh, he, he brought Trollocs here. <laughs> like, he knows... They're in the woods right now. He knows that he's looking for someone in that town. There is a joke that he knows, and it's that he's an evil SOP. <laughs> oh, it's awful. Uh, here's where Perrin is introduced, and that's wonderful. I really do like Perrin. There's there's points in his story that frustrate me. Um, uh, unlike other people, I actually really do like Fael. I just don't like some of the stuff Fael does. <laughs> Uh, and, uh, most of Perrin's stuff I really like, especially into, like, book four to book six. Uh, it's only when Fael's kidnapped and Perrin goes a little stir-crazy that I start getting frustrated with him, but he still has awesome moments there, too. So, introducing Perrin here is great. Uh, and I love how he is introduced. Rand sees him, and he's only about a head shorter than Rand. And Rand's taller than anyone in the district. So Perrin is not a short either. Uh, but he's about a, a man and a half broad. <laughs> Which for some reason always reminds me of Hagrid. But Hagrid's like three or four people wide. And uh, yeah, uh, Perrin's only like one and a half. Uh, but I love how also Rand talks about Perrin as being considerate. Because Perrin sees him and he waves and he's like, Oh great Rand, you're here. I didn't think we'd see you until after festival. Uh, because uh, uh, in chapter one, it's described that Rand and his father haven't left the farm for like two weeks. Oh, imagine not leaving home for two weeks. I don't know if that would be great or awful. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, Perrin's happy to see him. And they describe that Perrin could like get his way through everybody just easily. He's so big and massive. that. Uh, but that wasn't his way. And Perrin was offering uh, apologies and, you know, everything as he slowly and very carefully picks himself through the very heavy crowd until he's standing with his buddies. And they're uh, chatting for a minute and he's like, uh, Perrin, Perrin has really low expectations of life because he's just like, wow, Beltine and a peddler, this is going to be great. And Matt's just like, buddy, you have... No idea. Because Matt's sitting on fireworks and a gleeman, and Perrin just thinks these are rumors, and he may not even know about the gleeman yet. So, uh, he's super excited, and Perrin immediately kind of, like, looks at Matt like, what are you lying about this time? <laughs> he kind of gives Matt a dubious eye, which is hysterical, and then he turns to Rand, and Rand's like, it's true, but I'll tell you in a little bit. And later I said, later I said, he's getting a little louder, and that last later I said, oh, poor Rand, imagine how embarrassing it is, because this is when the crowd of villagers finally quiet down, and Thane is standing up, and he's got, like, his arms spread wide, and he's like, I'm about to tell you everything, so hang on my every word, 
And then Rand just shouts in the middle of that, Later, I said! Which... Oh, how embarrassing. Oh, how... How awkward. Uh, Rand's gotta feel awful. And it kinda hurts here, because... You can see that Rand actually wants Thane's respect. Like I said, Thane's been coming to the Two Rivers as a peddler for as long as Rand could remember. And he describes that Pain... Pain... You know what? Pain isn't a bad name for him. That Padon Thane uh, only recognized them as men last year. And he hopes he wasn't relegated to a child in his eyes again. And it hurts because do not be beholden to Padon Thane, Randolph Thor. Don't you do that. Padon Thane is awful and evil and he causes you so much shit. And he's just like, oh, I hop hope Padon Thane doesn't think less of me now. Oh, oh, God, no. No, it really kind of hurts. So, finally, it's time, because Padon Fane, I guess, decided that the anxiety levels and the anticipation levels are both on point, so, no, not later, now, I'm gonna have a great time telling you all this awful news, and I'm going to relish watching you all just become terribly afraid and worried and wondering if everything is going to be okay. Let's tell you this now. So he goes on with his whole, you think winter was bad here? Winter was bad everywhere. Spring is late everywhere. Wolves and predators are attacking people everywhere. Now, I know he meant this to be scary, but me personally, as a return reader, I'm like, wolves are everywhere for reals? That is great news. That means so many less Trollocs getting to people. <laughs> oh, it means less wolves, too, if there's Trollocs and Merge all around, because I'll die killing them all. But you know what? It makes me a little happier, and it makes this news a little bit more tasteful. Oh, God. So, yeah, things are bad everywhere. But what's worse? There's worse stuff out. And they're like, what's worse than predators and wolves and bears killing people? What the hell can be worse than that? And he's like, men killing men. Yes, that's right, everybody. There's a war. And everybody's like, oh, God, no, a war. Is everything going to be okay? Uh, I kind of love how... uh Bran and Tam are both at the front, so it, it, it literally kind of gives the, the feeling that Tam practically has as much authority here as Bran does, which I really like. Like, what happens if something had happened to Bran Alvere? Would Tam become the new mayor? Like, I, I honestly think that might happen here. That's kind of crazy. Um, so, yeah, Bran kind of rolls the unfamiliar word, is how they describe it, across his tongue. Or, no, he just like, war? What? That's a that's not something we hear much. There's never been a war in the Two Rivers. Because they don't remember Manetherin. So, yeah. Um, yeah, they're freaking out. They, they really are. And Padon Fane is being really mocking. Uh, that's what's in my notes. I don't remember how, but he, it, it, it's mocking in all caps. Uh, he said, the standard of the dragon has been raised. Which means Loghain, but his name isn't mentioned yet. And men are flocking both to oppose and support. Uh, and this is where everybody, like, really just freaks 
out the dragon. Oh, no. And someone kind of, like, screams, Oh, no, it's like the dark one is out. And someone else is like, No, the dragon's not the dark one. And someone else is, like, screaming, Well, he's as good as. There's going to be another breaking of the world. And you're like, Holy shit. I mean, seriously, first reading. Like, what's the breaking of the world? What's the dragon? What's a false dragon? What? What's, what is going on? Oh, it's, it's... Oh, it's, oh, it's, it's crazy. So they're all, they're all like, it has to be a false dragon. It has to be, it has to be, it has to be. Um, they're always false dragons. <laughs> well, yeah, they're, they're going to be false dragons until the real dragon comes about. Uh, we get a, a interesting piece of information here where apparently there hadn't been any false dragons in 20 years. And then in the last five years, there's been three. So, just a few years before Rand was born, there was the last dragon, and, like, when Rand was, like, 14, the newest one showed up. So, I guess the pattern is waiting for the dragon to emerge, was, like, the pattern almost hoping, like, a teenage Rand would would, would assume command. That would be, that would be much different. Um, yeah, so... It, it talks about how Rand has heard many stories about false dragons and that people are saying the world will end when the dragon is reborn. Can you imagine being Rand and having this in your mind? People say the world will end when the dragon is reborn. And by the end of this book, uh, Moraine's claiming he's the dragon. I, yeah, I was about to say he finds out in the end of this one, but he doesn't find out... Uh, he isn't called the dragon until the beginning of the second. Uh, he knows he can channel at the end of this one. So imagine how he feels, how he grew up with all this. This is crazy. So this is when Fane really, really decides he's going to get his rocks off here, you know? Um, you, it's kind of described as he's watching the crowd, uh, and he's trying to gauge their reaction to his next words. You know, I think he's personally hoping for screams and fainting. And he's like, well, I don't know if he's the real dragon or not, but uh, he can channel. And they're like, oh, stun silence. Everybody's freaking out. Oh, no, he can channel. This is bad. This is really bad. And this is when Ewan Fingar opens his damn mouth. Now, I, I keep calling him kind of a kid in the earlier episodes of this podcast, uh, but when I think about it, he has to be at least 14, 15. Like, I, I don't know. I was imagining him pre-teen. But when Perrin comes back in book four, he's about as tall as Perrin, right? With a baritone. So he has to be 14, 15 now. But in this chapter, it almost feels like there's someone Oliver's age shouting out into the crowd. It's weird. Um, but you and Fingar doesn't even sound as smart as Oliver, but, like, like, what, what, what can I say? Oliver's been through shit that no one in the Two Rivers other than Tam Thor had been through, so I, I, I don't know. I'm going, I'm going off topic. <laughs> I'm going definitely off topic. So, yeah, you and Fingar opens his damn mouth, and he's like, he'll go mad! Doesn't he know that? Only women can touch the one power. Doesn't he know it's only for Aes Sedai? Um... <laughs> Uh, and this makes, like, Sen Bui try to smack him in the head, because apparently he was nearby. Like, Sen Bui's a jackass. Um, and, uh, like, everybody kind of gives Sen Bui crap for this. I love it, because this is when Tam uh, has a line here that I actually wrote down because it was so good. Tam's like, I never heard, saw, heard, or smelled anything that couldn't be talked about. 
that is a wonderful line. And, and I believe that to be true. So many people avoid communication over topics that they think are going to cause aggravation. I know that I was actually trying to have a conversation. This is not the greatest, but I was having trying to have a conversation about politics with a family member of mine. We had opposing views, but we, we, we were having no problems. We were chatting, okay, what do you think about that? Oh, what do you think about that? Oh, okay, I agree, but I disagree here. What do you think about this? And then uh, another family member comes in the room and they're kind of like freaking out. No talking about this at all. They, they were the only people getting uncomfortable. So like like I said, I really like that that line. Uh, I never saw, heard, or smelled anything that couldn't be talked about. Tam is so wise. Uh, <laughs> uh, but yeah, uh, Tam is equal to Bran. That's in my notes here. By the way, I like how Tam is practically on equal terms with Bran. Uh, yeah, so that's already been said. I, I What am I, I, I'm going way off topic now. What is happening? Uh, the council takes Fane away to question him. Uh, they're like, okay, this is this is big deal. Warren Gildon, Dragon, this is this is this is big stuff. Everybody's panicking, so they kind of bring Thane in, and Thane's just jackass, and like, I could do with some warm, mold spice wine. Let's go. Oh, uh, God, someone watch my horses while I go in here. Now nah, that's not Thane's voice. Thane's voice is probably more like, I could do with some spiced wine. Oh. I, I hate him so much. <laughs> I hate him. Okay, so the council takes him away, and that's when we get the boys talking about the false dragon. Yay. Yeah, so I love how Rand and Perrin really, really hope that the false dragon doesn't come anywhere near the two rivers. But Matt is kind of, like, really excited. Uh, but not only is it the dragon they don't want to come near, uh, Rand doesn't want the dragon near... Because he doesn't want Aes Sedai near? I kind of love how that's a thing this early. And after he was gawking over an Aes Sedai in the last chapter. <laughs> I love it. Uh, it, it. It's all about the misinformation. That was, I think that was in the quote I put at the uh, beginning of the discussion of this chapter. Um, is that Rand says that, you know, we don't want the Aes Sedai coming here. The dragon started the breaking, but the Aes Sedai broke the world. Uh, but he doesn't know that because all the misinformation and all the memory fades to legend and legend fades to myth, that, yeah, it was still the men who broke the world. It's just they were called Aes Sedai then, too. Uh, but he doesn't, he doesn't know that. Uh, this is when Matt tells the story, again, I think this is also part of the quote at the beginning, about the merchant guard told him how the dragon will save mankind in their greatest hour of need. And Rand's just like, what the hell kind of situation could we need that we'd want the dragon to save us? That's, that's like nearly as bad as asking the Dark One. Rand thinks this. <laughs> That would have been included to the quote, too, but I already thought the quote was going on too long. I don't like it to go over a minute, and this was like 46 seconds, and the ones before were only like 30 seconds. I I don't know. It was it was funny. I mean, looking back, Rand's like, we don't want the dragon's help. That's almost as bad as the dark one. And then you're like, oh, oh I wonder what you think about that later, Rand. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, Perrin calls Matt a fool. Uh, the dragon going to save us sounds like Copland talk. <laughs> the Congers and the Coplins and the Tarn Fairy folk, they take such bad hits. Uh, 
Uh, <laughs> they just do. Uh, yeah, so Matt goes on, you know, you don't have to be mad at me. You don't have to talk crap to me. I'm just repeating what I heard. The guard said that the dragon would save us and that most people are too afraid to talk about it. Afraid of the Aes Sedai, afraid of the children of the light. Um, which, you know, at the same time, you get in context. You don't know who the children of the light are. But from the very beginning, from the very first time you hear their name, they're associated with fear. It's, it's, yeah, don't talk about something that's, cons that's close to things that make people uncomfortable or the children of the light will give you shit. It's, it's, it's already there. It's crazy. Uh, Matt brings up that uh, Billy All Die doesn't even believe in the Dark One. Billy All Die named the Dark One, and Perrin's like, "Whoa, holy shit! I didn't know that." Yeah, and, he, and Matt's like, "Yeah, he did." Right before his fields went bad when no one else did, with and right before his family got sick when no one else did. And I'm like, "Holy shit! It has that real consequences." I mean, later you hear Rand kind of like yelling it out in, in his exaltation, you know. Blank is dead. I, I, I'm not a fool. I'm not gonna say it. Are you kidding me? Now, uh, that you know, the dark one is dead. The dark one is dead. I'm not saying the other name. Uh, and like the whole world lurches. But here, Billy all die says it, and his fields go bad, and his family gets sick. Uh, and Matt's like, I don't know, man. But whenever I ask him to name him now, he throws something at me, which. That just sounds like Matt. That's just, that's just great. Yeah, well, funny or not, Matt probably should have been a little bit more careful where he was having this conversation. I mean, this is a pretty sensitive subject matter when you think about it. I mean, imagine if they'd had this conversation literally anywhere else. Bearlawn. Let's say they were in Bearlawn and they had this conversation and a white cloak overheard it. There'd be murders, murders, and and probably fire, and more white cloaks, and then a purge, all because Matt wanted to talk about someone naming the Dark One. I, I, I just saying, maybe he should have been a little bit more careful, because it's not only the white cloaks he has to worry about, because this is when we get Nynaeve Almira in the flesh, that's right, she walks up on Matt from, like, behind, and she's like, yeah, yeah, I bet you were telling him to name the Dark One Matt Cawthon. That sounds like exactly something an idiot like you would do. Uh, next thing, you're going to be naming him, and, and Matt's like, no wisdom. I would never, never name him Blood and Ashes. First of all, that's the first Blood and Ashes of the series, and it's called out by Matt. We can always count on the man. You gotta at least give me that. You can always count on that. <laughs> so, yeah. Nynaeve's kind of pissed. And I love how she's described as barely taller than Matt's shoulder. And I think Matt... Is Matt the shortest of the three? I know there's Rand is the tallest. And then Perrin's only a head shorter than Matt. But I don't think they described how tall Matt is to rant so as far as i know matt is the shortest of the three uh that's kind of how i always seen it and uh <laughs> goodness uh Nynaeve is mad and i love how all three of them are cowering these are three you know almost six foot tall men as my understanding goes 
and they're all cowering at Nynaeve. And she's described as slender, dark of hair and eye, uh, very pretty, young, and uh, having a stick that she hits people with that's thick on one side and slender on the other. So on one side, it's a cudgel for beating people over the head with, and on the other side is a switch. Nynaeve is brilliant. That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. Uh, I, I love how they're all freaked out by Nynaeve. And then they noticed Egwene is there too. But, but you know, Nynaeve had been so loud that, you know, that, that was the first thing they got attention to. And it, and honestly, Egwene's a little bit creepy in the scene. Egwene's like just standing a little bit back, completely silent. Her hood is pulled up and she's staring at Rand with her big eyes. And, <laughs> oh, it's... It's it's great. Rand immediately starts feeling uncomfortable. Um, he's like, "It's not fair. Being two years older than her should give me some, give me some help." And uh, nope, nope, not at all. So apparently, if Rand's about nineteen, then Egwene is about seventeen, right here. Uh, this is also when we get the first version of, well, I'm not as good as talking to girls as the other boy. Because Rand's like, I wish I had Perrin's way with the ladies. Um, which was also absolutely hysterical. The very first one, and he goes for Perrin, not Matt. Which shows you something. <laughs> uh, anyways, so... Uh, Perrin and Matt ditch Rand. Um, they're described as having... Uh, no, no, uh, just went just a little bit too far ahead. Uh, Nynaeve's trying to figure out why they were talking about what they were talking about. You know, you guys are being idiots. What's going on here? And they're, they're, they're very... They, they have to explain. Again, they're very respectful. Well, it's only natural wisdom. Uh, Padon Fane came, and he told us about the war in Kildon. And he told us there's a dragon, and things are crazy. And Nynaeve's just immediately like, well, the men aren't good enough to handle this. They're probably asking all the wrong questions. Uh, I'm going to go get the women's circle together. And she just walks straight into the end. <laughs> probably because Marin's probably there. Marin Alvir, uh, Egwene's mom. Uh, I, I'm pretty sure she's on the women's circle as well. So she just walks right in, leaving uh, uh, Perrin, Matt, and Egwene. And Perrin and Matt ditch Rand with huge grins on their face. That's kind of how it's described. It's actually, from Rand's point of view, he's he's describing his buddies abandoning him with grins on their face. It's like, well, he's here with his girl, so we might as well split. Um <laughs> Uh, they're abandoning him. It's great. Uh, so Rand's super nervous, super awkward, and he kind of just blurts out to Egwene, you know, would you dance with me tomorrow? And she kind of gives one of the small smiles. She is totally in control. I, I, I am not loving their relationship. I'm not going to lie. They were not meant for each other. I mean, they probably would have ended with each other if they never left the two rivers, but... I don't think they would have been good for each other. I really don't. Um, so, yeah, will you dance with me tomorrow? And she's like, yeah, maybe, if I'm not busy. And then she pulls back her hood, and she's got the braid. And the braid signifies that a woman is of age in Emmonsfield. Uh, <laughs> and Rand's immediate uh, reaction is thinking of the braid as a viper. I, I have that in my notes. Braid viper in capital ca capitals. 
bold and with like a million explanation points at the end. Why is my chair squeaking so much? This is ridiculous. This is going to be a horrible recording, isn't it? <laughs> I'm having fun. I hope you guys are too. This is great. Um, so yeah, she's going to be busy because she's going to be dancing on the spring pole. I just like to point out everybody that in the two rivers where people are usually very prudish from the uh, further ongoings of the series, unmarried women dance the pole at the beginning of spring. I just, I just want to... I, I'm moving on. <laughs> yeah, so uh, Rand sees the braid. Rand hears about the pole, and he is freaking out. Again, another reason these two kids should not be together. He's like, oh, you can get married? Just just because you can doesn't mean you should. And she's like, yeah, maybe not. Wisdoms don't usually get married. And he's like, w wisdoms? What? I don't what, what are you talking about? And she's like, yeah, Nynaeve's been teaching me stuff. She says I got the talent. I can listen to the wind, and not every wisdom can. Uh, and he's like, but you can't be wisdom. And Nynaeve's going to be wisdom here for like the next 50 years. She became wisdom so young and everything. And he's like, there are other towns. And this like blows him away. And he's like, other, other towns? But I might not ever see you again. She's like, you wouldn't like that, would you? It's, 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 it's a horrible back and forth because it's all about miscommunication. Which is a huge thing in the Wheel of Time. A very huge thing. He think, She thinks he's making fun of her dreams, and he just doesn't understand them. Uh, at this point, Rand is a very grounded individual. This is where we are. This is where we live, and this is how things are. And Egwene already has that thirst for more. Um, she's trying to act like Nynaeve because Nynaeve is the most powerful woman in the village. And as soon as she meets Moraine, she starts trying to act like Moraine because she is the newest, most powerful woman she's ever seen. I'm not really sure what else to say about Egwene here. One chapter, I love her. The next, she frustrates the hell out of me. But I almost never hate her because she's... She feels so real to me. The way she's written feels very, very real. Um, so uh, we have our ups and downs, but let's move on because this is around the time Perrin kind of exclaims, well, there really is a Gleeman. And then they get back in on the conversation because Matt's telling Rand that, by the way, Perrin got a coin from Moraine too. We now know that for a fact, uh, but we know that he has it at this point. I mean, not that he didn't get it after Rand left the town. And that he also saw the Black Rider. Ooh. Uh, yeah, he was at the forge late at night. He saw the Black Rider, kind of freaked him out, told Master Luhan. Luhan wasn't really sure to believe him, but I guess Perrin's a solid enough young lad that, uh, you know, Master Luhan believed something was out there, and he started carrying his hammer around, his biggest hammer around the forge for the rest of the night, which was a funny little thing. And then we get into Egwene's, what foolishness are you talking about? It was probably a normal person. Uh, don't be ridiculous. Oh, good kitty cat. Uh, we have a minor mouse problem, and the cat is currently catching a mouse. That is a wonderful thing. Who's a good kitty? Get the dark one's eyes! Get the dark one's eyes! Okay, I'm sorry. Um, yeah, so Egwene's giving them crap. Uh, and they're just ran. She turns it on ran the most. It's like they are one thing. I mean, they are one thing. Matt is one thing. Perrin, do not lump him in there. Perrin's not that kind of person, and you know it. But she's like, Perrin and Matt are one thing. But you, Rand, you shouldn't be scaring around this 
uh, spreading around this fear. And Rand's like, I'm not spreading anything. I told my buddies what I saw. They saw it too. And I know I wasn't imagining things now. And we're going to figure this out. She's like, you're ridiculous. And she's just about to give them more trash. Um, And that's when the chapter ends. But with one wonderful moment. And that's with everybody getting interrupted. Because a shaggy-haired white old man heads out of the inn like he's being chased. And that is Tom Marilyn the Gleeman. That uh, you, you guys obviously know how much of a impression he's made on me, seeing as the channel is called Gleeman Radio. Uh, but my real name is Tom. My real my real name is Thomas. Uh, but still, I mean, maybe that just kind of helped the connection a little bit more. Uh, I'm I'm super excited. Tom Marilyn is one of my favorite male characters in the entire series, bar none. He, 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 I like him more than Rand. <laughs> uh, I mean, it probably goes Matt, uh, Perrin, uh, Tom, Marilyn, uh, Rand. <laughs> Rand is fine, but he can be boring sometimes. You all know it. He's like, I gotta do what I gotta do. And Matt's like, I ain't gonna do shit. Oh, wait, I'm coming. And Perrin's just like, I just want to live a normal life, but I have to be a badass. Rand's just like, I gotta do what I gotta do. So it, it, Rand's great, but he's sometimes not as interesting as the other characters with their motivations. Uh, I'm talking about completely random shit now. I think I need to end this podcast. Uh, <laughs> I think it's gone on longer than any I've had so far. So thank you so much for listening. And I hope you have a great day, wherever you are. Um, The requests all over again, I'm going to stop making them soon or put them out only every couple podcasts. But like I've said, I don't think there is nearly enough Wheel of Time fan art in this world. So if you're willing to draw something from the Wheel of Time, uh, hopefully pertaining to where I am in the book, but if not, who gives a shit? Uh, Send it to me with your... uh, signature on the image as well as you know apart from the image maybe your information that you want me you know i want to give you a shout out i want to display the picture you made and i want to be like this is awesome this person made it uh isn't that cool uh also if you think you can record my spoiler warning intro better than i am i am fascinated to hear your forsaken impression impressions uh send those to gleamanradio at gmail.com I need to get out of here. I can't speak without stumbling my words for some reason. I I don't know. Maybe I try to do this too early, but whatever. I hope you have a great day wherever you are. Peace out. Take care. Bye now.